Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. If you read John's Gospel, throughout his Gospel, Jesus gives us these I am statements. For example, in today's Gospel, Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. Later on, he'll say, I am the vine, you are the branches. Or, I am the bread of life. Now, these are all organic images in that they describe life. In this case, how we find life in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. He gives us these images of a shepherd. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. Psalm 77, The Lord shepherds his people by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Well, what I want to do today is I want to look at that image of shepherd, especially as it pertains to us in this season of Easter. Now, all the images of shepherd that are spoken about throughout sacred scripture, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, Jesus embodies that shepherd. As he said in today's gospel, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Well, the first thing that we can take from this is the good shepherd is other-orientated. That is to say, he cares more about others than his own self. The good shepherd is so devoted to his sheep, to us, that he's willing to lay down his life so that his sheep, we, might live. Now, when we first hear that, we think, well, that's nice. But when reality sets in, that image just doesn't sound right. Yes, a good shepherd does what they can to protect and care for the sheep. But would we really expect a shepherd to lay down their life for a bunch of animals? Say, for example, a pack of wolves descend upon a flock. Yes, the shepherd would do their best to fight off and protect the animals. But when the wolves now turn and attack the shepherd, well, we would expect, or a rational person would say, the shepherd did all they could to protect the sheep. Now they got to get out of there in order to save their own life. So when we hear that the good shepherd will lay down their life for a bunch of animals, that's odd. Now picture yourself. You are living in the first century in Palestine, standing right next to an apostle, and you're hearing this for the first time. You would say this is somewhat bizarre. Now, yes, we would expect you know a good father or good mother to lay down their life to sacrifice for the child. Sure, absolutely. Or we would agree that a good soldier could lay down their life and sacrifice themselves for the sake of their fellow soldiers. Absolutely. We can understand that. But it's strange for a shepherd to die to protect animals. We only can wonder what the apostles thought when they first heard this. Now stop and think 
about the difference between human beings and sheep or animals. Human beings are far greater in terms of importance or intellect or other things. Now look at the difference between us and God. The difference is infinitely greater. Now there's a huge gap between us and sheep or animals. Now based upon that gap, we would easily conclude that one shouldn't risk their life for these sheep. Now apply that logic to us and God. The gap between us and God is infinitely greater with God versus animals or sheep. God is far and away greater than us. And yet, nonetheless, despite that huge, huge gap, Jesus is saying he will lay down his life for us. And yes, that is exactly what he is saying. Now stop and think about that. If that doesn't leave you speechless or awestruck, well, we're not paying attention. Now, what Jesus is using here is very powerful language that reaches out, grabs us, and shakes us to understand just how powerful Jesus' death on the cross was for each and every one of us. Again, we can only imagine what the apostles are thinking, what was going through their mind. Now, it was a common view of God in the ancient world that God was benevolent and just. But the thought that God would sacrifice himself so that we might live, no one in the ancient world, in their wildest dreams, could ever have thought of such a thing. And so we can only imagine how confused the apostles were or anyone who heard this. Now we say, yes, God is to be worshiped. Sure, God is to be honored, absolutely. God is benevolent and all kind and charitable and just. But God, to die for us? Again, if you are a person living in the first century in Palestine, standing next to an apostle, which you're hearing Jesus say, you would say it's outrageous. And yet this statement that Jesus is making here, it lies at the heart of Christianity and is the foundation of our faith. Go back to that classic scene in which Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And as he enters the gates of Jerusalem in Luke 13, 34, Jesus says, How often I wanted to gather your children together, just as a hen gathers her young under her rings. Now, on the superficial level, that sounds nice and quaint. The mother hen gathers her little chicks under her wings to protect them. However, stay with that image. Dig deeper. Now, any farmer or anyone who owns animals will tell you, if a fire sweeps through a barn, the mother hen, she will gather her young chicks under her wings, such that to shield those chicks from that fire, she would willingly die so that those young chicks would live. And see, that's the image that Jesus wants to convey to us. It's not a nice and quaint image. Instead, it's something dire and distinctive about it. That's why Jesus says, I long to gather you under my wings so as to protect you, even to the point of dying on our behalf. Now stop and think about that for a while. If that doesn't take our breath away, we're not paying attention. But again, this lies at the heart of Christianity. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? 
Jesus died so that we might live. That's what makes the shepherd good. Now, Jesus continues. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know mine, and mine know me. Well, the good shepherd knows the voices of his sheep, of us. And the sheep, we know the voice of our shepherd. The shepherd is always calling out to us. Now, if we've ever heard the voice of a sheep, it's very distinctive. It's a voice almost like a small child. Well, Jesus knows our voices. He knows them individually and personally. Now, what's the temptation? To view God as some distant figure off in another galaxy? Yes, he has concern for the whole world, but he doesn't know us individually or personally. Well, don't be duped by that temptation. Jesus knows each and every one of us and our individual voices. Therefore, he knows our joys and our struggles. He hears our voice amidst all the other voices in this world. That's why it's so important for us to keep calling out to Jesus in prayer, in Mass, the sacraments, a stewardship lifestyle. Now, from time to time, people will ask me, they feel lost in the spiritual life. You know, they feel God is absent in their life. The first thing I'll ask them, do you pray every day? Most of the times, they'll say no. What I say to them is, take the time. Now, what's most important is we know our shepherd's voice. And why not? We are all created in the image and likeness of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Therefore, we are made to hear the voice of God. And it's a distinctive voice, different from all other voices that are calling out to us. And there are many voices that are constantly calling out to us. Work, or career, power, honor, money, materialism, various commitments that we have. Jesus does call out to us in our prayers, at Mass, in the sacraments. One could say, Jesus' voice echoes out to us every time we gather for Mass and we pray. We engage the sacraments. We hear his voice and immediately we perk up and we offer ourselves to God. You know, one of the important parts of the Mass is what we call the offertory, in which we bring water and wine as well as the host for the consecration. Now, the offertory is more than that. Take it to a symbolic or spiritual level. We are offering ourselves to God. Think of it. Every time we come to Mass, we are offering ourselves to God. Now, by coming to Mass, there are many things that we could be doing other than coming to church on the weekend. We could be walking in a park. We could be in a store buying things. We could be just sitting home on the couch watching TV. But instead, we come to Mass every weekend. And in doing so, we are offering ourselves to God. And not just a physical presence, but we offer ourselves, our heart, our mind, our soul, our will, and our intellect to God. Stop and think about that. Next weekend, as you are driving to Mass, to your church, just say to yourself, I am now offering myself to God. Even if it's just that one hour at Mass, that's exactly what you're doing. Why? Because we hear the voice of our shepherd, 
and our natural inclination is to offer ourselves to God. It makes complete sense since we are all made in the image and likeness of God. One last thing to think about. Turn to the first reading. Here we hear Peter's powerful homily. He says, There is no salvation through anyone else, and there is no one other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. Well, that's so true, because Jesus is our good shepherd. He has laid down his life for us so that we may be saved. More to it, Jesus continually calls out to us to guide us, comfort us, and protect us, now and for all of eternity. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.